What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Andy Patton, moving over from the Score Zag Score podcast, which I hosted for the past two years, and taking over here for the great Stephen Carr. First, I want to thank you all for making this podcast your first listen of the day, whether you are a new listener to me or coming over from my previous show. A reminder to please follow and subscribe to this podcast wherever you already get podcasts and to look out for an upcoming YouTube channel, which is going to start in the next few weeks. So for Zags fans who not only want to hear what I have to offer, but you want to see me say it too, you will have a chance to do so on YouTube very soon. All right, today's episode is the first in our extensive player preview series where we will be taking a brief but thorough look at every player on Gonzaga's roster, detailing their history up until this season, a look at the best and worst case scenarios for them in the 2021-2022 campaign, and finally a closer look at their expected role and production this upcoming season. These episodes will air multiple times per week right up until Gonzaga's exhibition opener against Eastern Washington on Halloween. We are kicking things off today with big man Ben Gregg, who is entering his quote-unquote freshman season for the Zags. All right, so let's get right into it. Ben Gregg, things kind of happen pretty fast for Ben Gregg. For those who do not remember, Gregg was not even really a priority recruit. He wasn't on the radar for Gonzaga fans. He was a top 100 player. He went to Clackamas High School just down south in Oregon, not too far from Spokane. But the Zags didn't make him an offer until August 27th of, of 2020. They were waiting to see if Paolo Banchero, the Seattle O'Day High School product who ended up going to Duke, they were waiting to see if Banchero was going to come to Gonzaga. He obviously chose not to do so. So at the time, the Zags pivoted. They already had Caden Perry in the class. They were already feeling pretty darn confident about Chet Holmgren, which obviously happened a few months later. But at the time, they were looking for another big man to add when Benchero chose to go to Duke. They said, let's go after this Greg kid. They made him an offer on August 27th. He committed on September 9th, barely two weeks later. This is always where he wanted to go. He said he had family who went to Gonzaga. He still has family who live in Spokane to this day. So this was always his plan. So he kind of waited it out. Decided once he got that offer from Gonzaga, didn't have to spend a whole lot longer. If I remember correctly, 9-9 was the day of his either grandmother or his mother's birth. It was their birthday. I can't remember which one, but he said like a few days after Gonzaga offered, he said, hey, I'm going to make my announcement on September 9th. So I think he pretty much made up his mind right away that, hey, once I got that offer, this is where I'm going to go. And he had other great offers. He had an offer from Arizona. He had an offer from Oregon. He had an offer from Texas, from USC, from Cal, from Virginia Tech. This is a dude who was popular particularly on the West Coast, but also Texas and Virginia Tech were on there. So he had some attention nationally coming out of high school. He was top 100 by most services. I believe he was 29th on either 24-7 or ESPN. I can't remember which, but I know one place had him just inside the top 30. So this was a highly rated dude. Uh, and again, it just happened so fast that fans almost didn't get to have that hype period where they were excited about a recruit before he already committed. They were like, oh, who's this guy? We haven't even heard of him. We're just, we're kind of sad about Banchero. And then bam. He was not only committed, but as you may recall, he was in a Gonzaga uniform real quick after that. So what happened here, for those who maybe don't remember this story, uh, the college, excuse me, the college, the high school basketball season in the state of Oregon got canceled as it did in lots of other places throughout the country because of COVID-19. So Greg was not able to suit up for his Clackamas high school team for his senior season because of COVID. So he found a way to graduate early got all of his coursework done, and enrolled in Gonzaga in the spring semester. 
This happened at multiple other schools. Gonzaga was not the only school to do this. It was a weird new rule they put in. Obviously, because of COVID, they allowed some players to come in and play right away. They wouldn't normally do that. So, Greg, I know there was a player at USC who did it. There was a couple other guys on the West Coast that I remember reading about who did this. But Greg was one of the more prominent players to, instead of spending the last half of his senior year just hanging out, you know, hanging out with his high school buddies and and living that life and playing ball at Clackamas High School, he was in a Gonzaga uniform. He suited up on December 29th. So I want to talk about this timeline here real quick. Once again, he did not get an offer from Gonzaga until August 27th. That is the first time they said, we want you on our basketball team officially. Two months later, two months later, Ben Gregg was wearing the uniform. He was on the floor. He didn't play much in that game. He went 0 for 1 from the field with a foul, but he played on December 29th against Dixie State. I cannot, this story has been talked and it has been talked about. And it was talked about during the season and it's been rehashed over the offseason, but I cannot get over how kind of fluid and crazy this whole thing was. Obviously, everything was is crazy during COVID-19, so we kind of have to just suspend our disbelief for certain things to an extent. But this is a wild turn of events for a guy who was waiting to get a commitment from this school, who probably thought he was going to go somewhere else late August is pretty, you know, that's late. He had at least 10 other offers, I think closer to 12 other offers. So for him to wait it out and then not only get that offer, make that commitment, but end up on the court in a two month span is absolutely wild to me. For the rest of the season, Greg played in 18 games. He played 55 total minutes in those 18 games. As you would suspect for a guy who should have still been in high school, he was playing almost exclusively garbage time minutes. He was coming in for the last few minutes of blowout games against teams like Portland and San Diego and that that kind of opponent. That was the majority of the playing time that he was getting. He totaled 17 points. 18 rebounds, three blocks, one assist. He shot seven for 17 from the field, which is just under 42%. He shot two for eight from three. However, by February, things things had changed a little bit for Ben Gregg. He had passed Umar Balo and Pavel Zakharov on the depth chart. Now, neither of these guys were in the rotation, so Gregg's minutes did not dramatically improve in a way that was exceptionally noticeable to anybody outside of diehard Gonzaga fans who were paying attention to this kind of stuff. But Balo obviously had the wrist injury that took him out of time. And then the rest of the season for Balo, he kind of just disappeared onto the bench and ultimately ended up transferring to Arizona. Zakharov, in the two years that he was in a Gonzaga uniform, just never really found a place on the court. You know, we kind of had hoped he would develop into a Philip Petrusev type guy with uh, size and range and, and length, but he just never quite found his sp- his spot. He ended up transferring to Cal Baptist this offseason as well. But before that happened, while both these guys were still potential future pieces on this Gonzaga roster, Mark Few and their staff decided Ben Gregg's the guy. This is the dude who's going to take those, again, admittedly very small segment of minutes, and he's going to play them instead. So you started to see Greg get into games in the late in the first half to avoid some foul issues for Timmy or Kispert or guys like that. You started to see him actually start playing a little bit more minutes. It wasn't a ton, but it was more. He had a nice four-game stretch uh, at San Francisco and then against St. Mary's, San Diego, and Santa Clara. We played five minutes per game and averaged three points per game. Again, the difference between playing one to two minutes per game and five minutes per game is subtle. It's not a significant difference. But again, it was minutes that had been going to Balo, had been going to Zakharov, and now we're going to Ben Gregg. Then we started to see, then the, the season ended, we got in the NCAA tournament. Ben Gregg played in four different NCAA tournament games. Now he played a combined 
eight minutes. So he was not a rotation player by any stretch of the imagination. But the man played in four NCAA tournament games. You know what? I was doing this March of my senior year of high school. I I do not remember. I'm going to be honest with you. I do not remember. It was a long time ago. It was way back in 2009. But I can promise you it wasn't anything close to as cool as playing in NCAA tournament games. He played in the national championship game. Granted, it was a bummer. It was a bummer when he was going into the game because it was officially the give-up period. Granted, that game was over well before that. We don't need to rehash that. None of you want to do that right now, so we will end that conversation there. But the point is, Ben Gregg played in a national championship game. His friends were in high school still. They were hanging out in the halls of Clackamas High School in Oregon, and he was playing in the freaking national championship game. Coolest thing. The coolest thing for Ben, the coolest thing for his family, and just an incredible way for him to develop. And this is what I really want to talk about in both the second and the third segments. He's heading into year two as a freshman. He is a freshman. He is the same grade as Caden Perry, as Chet Holmgren, as Hunter Salas, as Nolan Hickman. But he has this experience that none of those guys have. Chet played against the best players in the world at his level. He did. And that's fantastic. And that experience will help him a ton. So did Nolan. So did Hunter. Those guys have played. So did Caden, really. They've all played talented players. But Ben Gregg has played college basketball. He's already done it. It's 55 minutes, but it's 55 more minutes than any of those guys have. He has eight minutes of NCAA experience and many, many more minutes sitting on the bench, watching, being there, feeling the crowd. Uh, the, it's a bit misleading because crowds were, were a different situation, but feeling the energy of being in an NCAA tournament game. He also spent a year going up against Drew Timmy and Corey Kispert in practices. What an experience that Ben Gregg has that these guys, a a jump that he has over his fellow freshmen heading into his quote-unquote freshman year. So that's a wrap on Ben Gregg's basketball history. Coming up next, we're going to talk at, we're going to talk about the best and worst case scenarios for Gregg entering his first full season in Spokane. All right, college football fanatics. Have you heard about prize picks? Prize picks is a daily fantasy made easy. I love this and I know you will too. PrizePix is a leader in college sports daily fantasy. They offer more college football props than anyone in the world and offer the all the all-star players from not only the Power 5 schools, but from your favorite mid-major players as well. I know that that's appealing for all those Gonzaga fans out there. New users that deposit and use the promo code LOCKEDON will receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. PrizePix allows mixed sport entries. So you can take the over on Chet Holmgren combined with the under on Patrick Mahomes in the same entry. Use the award-winning app on both the App Store and on Google Play. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. Don't hesitate. Check out prizepicks.com and use promo code LOCKEDON now or go to your App Store and download the app today. PrizePicks is daily fantasy made easy. This episode is also brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it is now impossible for you to go to your local chain auto parts store to stock all of the parts that you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning, like is your Odyssey an LX or an EX, and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Plus, Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer, and they have everything that you could need. Brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpets. 
Personally, I just had my 13-year-old car serviced very recently, and I can tell you that having one place to find all the parts I need makes things infinitely easier. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com All right, just a reminder, this is the first in a multi-part series talking about every Gonzaga player on the roster. Check back throughout the month for more player previews leading up to the season opener on Halloween. All right, so the second segment here, we're talking best case and worst case scenarios for Ben Gregg heading into his quote-unquote freshman season. So I want to put this caveat for all of these situations as we talk about these players throughout this series. The best case is within reason, and the worst case is without injury. So... I'm not going to say that the best case scenario is that this player is a consensus All-American National Player of the Year, you know, wins their positional awards, first overall pick in the NBA draft. I'm not going to put that unless that is realistic. There are players on this roster where consensus All-American first round pick are absolutely within the reason of their best case scenario. But there are also players on this roster where the best case scenario is just that they have a role. And so we're going to talk about those best case scenarios within reason. And for the worst case scenarios, we're not going to discuss a season ending injury or them departing the team or anything like that. Obviously, the worst case scenarios for any player is that they don't play basketball. It's a really boring segment if I just say, well, the worst case scenario for Ben Gregg is that he gets hurt. Duh. (laughs) That is obviously the worst case scenario. So we're going to talk about those best and worst case scenarios kind of within the, the realm of what we think is really possible and without discussing injuries as a potential scenario. So let's get right back into it. The best case scenario for Ben Gregg in year two is that the sophomore leap is real. And again, with that caveat, that this is Ben Gregg's second year in a Gonzaga uniform. So the leap that we have seen players, most notably post players, take in a Gonzaga uniform between year one and year two happens with Ben Gregg. Look at what happened with Philip Petrusev. Look at what happened with Drew Timmy. Yes, Drew was good as a freshman, but he was very good as a sophomore. Look at DeMontis Sabonis. There is a long list of very, very talented young big men who have had very successful second years in a Gonzaga uniform. For Greg, this is his year 1.5. Technically, it looks like his freshman year. And it is his freshman year. I don't know. You don't, need to, you don't need to say technically. It is his freshman year. But he has a year of experience under his belt, at least a half year of experience under his belt. So the best case scenario for him is that those leaps and bounds that we want to see from him, those ways that he can improve as a basketball player, get physically stronger, get more used to the college game, happen in year two. The best case scenario for Ben Gregg is that he establishes himself as the team's number three big man. This means that he is clearly on day one of the season, ahead of Caden Perry in the depth chart. The depth chart for big men is Chet Holmgren, Drew Timmy, and Ben Gregg. He is number three on that list. That also means that he is ahead of Anton Watson. Now, even in a best-case scenario for Ben Gregg, I don't think that he steals a bunch of minutes from Anton Watson because I think that they're going to be utilized very differently. Anton Watson offers this perimeter defense, this trapping defense that I don't think is going to be an aspect of Ben Gregg's game. So I think that Anton Watson still forever has a role on this team. And I don't think Gregg's best case scenario involves him stealing a bunch of minutes from Watson. But it does mean that he's playing with 
12 to 15 minutes per night. I think a best case scenario for Ben Gregg this season is consistently playing 12 to 15, maybe even 15 to 18 minutes per night. He's spelling both Drew Timmy and Chet Holmgren. And that's the key. Greg needs to prove in a best case scenario that he can play alongside both Drew Timmy and Chet Holmgren separately. He needs to be the player called upon off of the bench when either of those guys are in foul trouble, when either of those guys need a spell, when either of those guys are just getting naturally rotated out of the game. So it's two different skill sets that you need in order to play with both of those players. With Drew Timmy, Ben Gregg needs to establish that he can shoot three-pointers reliably. When Chet and Drew are in the game together, Chet is the outside threat. Drew is the interior post presence. When Ben comes in the game for Chet, he needs to also establish himself as an outside shooter. Somebody who can knock down an open three. Somebody who can maybe dribble off of somebody, at least at least do dribble handoffs, do something at the top of the key where he can move around, force defenders to come away from the brim and actually guard him. He also needs to prove that he can make those entry passes. The the high-low offense is such a critical part of Gonzaga, and they haven't been running it. Without Killian Tilly, they haven't run it as often. They didn't run it a ton last year because Anton Watson didn't really fit that role. But I think it realistically could make a lot of sense with Chet and Drew, and they need it if they want to have it be a part of their offense. They need Ben Gregg to be able to do it too. Drew Timmy is such an elite low post score. He has the best footwork on the planet, and he is very, very good at scoring with the ball in his hands under the basket. The best way to utilize him and to get the most out of him is to find creative ways to get the ball in his hands. Being able to throw the ball into the high post and have that player then make an entry pass to Drew is vital to this team's success. And if Ben can reliably do that and can also step back and hit that three at the top of the key or hit that jumper or take a dribble, get to the rim, get fouled, finish the bucket, if he can do that stuff alongside Drew Timmy, he will earn playing time. He will be a key part of this team. Is he going to be better than Chet Holmgren? No, that is not going to happen. But if he can be reliably counted upon to fill that role when Chet is on the bench, that is going to be significant for this team. And then he needs to be able to prove he can play alongside Chet. Now, Chet is such a unique player that it is a little bit easier to find a way to play alongside of him. We know that Chet is a great ball handler and a great outside shooter and that he's got a great mid-range. We also know that he can capably score around the rim as well. So when they bring Ben into the game to play alongside Chet, they can kind of have him pick whatever role is easiest for him to do. Now, if he's really, really good at the three-point shooting, making the entry pass role, they might just stick Chet under the basket and let him go to work that way. But also, if Ben can show that he can score under the basket, and we've seen, we saw glimpses of it last year, he has some pretty good footwork under the rim. He was a pretty good offensive rebounder. He did some fun stuff. If he comes back physically stronger, which most 18, 19 year olds get a lot stronger, and he spent a year in a college weight room, a year that Caden Perry didn't spend, a year that Hunter Salas, Chet Holmgren, those guys didn't get in a college weight room. If he is back physically stronger, if he's tougher, if he can push people around a little bit, can still score under the rim, that's that jump we talked about, that sophomore year jump. That's what Petrusov got better at. That's what Drew Timmy got better at. That's what DeMontis Savonis, who was already good at it, that's what he got better at. If that's what Ben Gregg improves, if he's physically stronger, if he's tougher, if he's scoring better under the rim, then you can play him alongside Drew Timmy and Chet Holmgren very comfortably, and you don't have to worry about it at all. The best case scenario for Ben Gregg is that his outside shooting is a weapon right away. Is he going to be Killian Tilly where he shoots 40% every year? I don't know. That's a very, very 
that's a high-end best-case scenario because Killian Tilly is one of the greatest three-point shooters in school history. But if he can reliably knock down threes, say 38% plus, that allows him to play multiple different roles in this offense. This team doesn't have a lot of reliable perimeter shooting. Chet Holmgren is a freshman. Nolan Hickman is a freshman. Hunter Salas is a freshman. Andrew Nembhard has not been a reliable outside shooter in his career. Drew Timmy has not proven he is that guy. Anton Watson is not that guy. Dominic Harris and Julian Strother are probably going to be good three-point shooters, but they haven't done it at the collegiate level. This is not a team that has a ton of reliable outside shooting currently on the roster. Ben Gregg can cement himself as a key part of this role or of this team if he can do that. What's the worst case scenario for Ben Gregg? It's that he's still really raw. It's that the fact that he was in college last year and played a little bit of college ball doesn't mean that he's not still basically a freshman. The worst case scenario for Ben Gregg is that he gets passed up by both Anton Watson and Caden Perry on the depth chart. Being the fifth big man is a non-role on this team. That's what Pavel Zakharov was last year. It's a non-role. You don't play. You play very, very little. If Ben Gregg cannot play his way onto the court, his development stalls. And I want to be clear, this does not mean that he does not develop. Look at Shemek Karnowski, look at Sam Dower, look at Kelly Olenek. There have been so many big men who played very small roles. Look at Rui for two years. There have been so many big men who played very insignificant roles and still got dramatically better. If Ben Gregg doesn't see a lot of the court this year, it probably means that Caden Perry is really far along, which is fantastic. It probably means that Anton Watson has taken some steps forward, which is also fantastic. And it doesn't necessarily mean that Ben Gregg is a bust or a disappointment or bad or any of those things. It just means that he's not quite there yet or not better than those guys yet. So it's hard for there to be a significant worst case scenario if it's just him not playing a whole lot. Now, if he is playing a significant role, there are some worst case scenarios. His shooting could be very inconsistent or which we've seen with Anton Watson. He's just gets hesitant to shoot. Ben Gregg is on this team in part because he's a six foot ten guy who shoots threes. If he doesn't look willing to do that or isn't capable of doing it at a consistent level, that's a problem. Again, he's a freshman. If he's not shooting threes super well, but he's hacking them up, he's trying, he's taking good looks, this is what I'm going to look for. If Ben Gregg is shooting when he should be shooting and he's not knocking them down, that's okay. Because what happened with Anton Watson where things got concerning was when he just stopped shooting completely. He just stopped doing it because he didn't have the confidence. It allows the defense to know how to guard him differently. And it's a problem. If Ben Gregg shoots the shots that he's supposed to take and he's not knocking them down, I'm not too worried about it. But if he starts looking hesitant or he's really struggling to shoot, that's going to be a bit of a problem. Worst case scenario for Ben Gregg is he's not physically stronger. He still gets pushed around by older, more veteran physical guys. He struggles to, to establish position down low. He struggles to rebound against bigger guys. And then the worst case scenario is that he lacks the lateral quickness to defend away from the rim. This would make him hard to play with Chet Holmgren. Chet is going to be under the basket on defense because he's an elite shot blocker. And you need the players playing with him to be good perimeter defenders. It's a big issue with Drew Timmy. How is that going to work with both those guys on the defensive end of the ball? But Ben needs to be able to come in and show that he can do that too. Because otherwise you play Chet with Anton Watson, which is a great defensive lineup, but is a little bit more challenged offensively because Anton has not proven himself on that side of the ball. So if Ben can reliably guard other players, he doesn't have to guard ones or twos. If he can guard threes or fours away from the rim and capably stay in front of them with his lateral quickness, that's a huge plus for the Zags. But in a worst case scenario, he can't. And he becomes very difficult to play on the defensive side of the ball. All right. Now that was the best 
and worst case scenarios for Greg in this upcoming season. Let's come back in the third segment and talk about some more realistic scenarios for the big man ahead of the 2021-2022 campaign. Bet Online is back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back on to start another football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, BetOnline.ag continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit just for signing up. Don't forget to use promo code NFL100. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet all of your favorite sports. Bet online is your favorite online sportsbook experts experience. All right. In the first segment, we talked about Ben Gregg's history, how quickly he went from being not recruited by Gonzaga to wearing the uniform. And then, of course, in the second segment, we discussed the best and worst case scenarios for Ben Gregg in his second season in Spokane. Now, here in the third segment, we're going to discuss the most realistic role for Ben Gregg. We're a few weeks away from the start of the college basketball season. We haven't had a ton of exposure to the media yet and to Mark Few and, and what they're going to discuss. We don't know exactly how this is going to shake out, but these are my best guesses on Ben Gregg's expected role and expected production in his second season. So first of all, like I said, in the best case scenarios, I do believe that Ben Gregg will play over Caden Perry this year. The talent between the two of them is similar, and it's not something where I think Ben Gregg is definitively better than Caden Perry. They're difficult to compare because their skill sets are so different. And frankly, we haven't seen a lot of Caden outside of you know AAU highlights, but that half-year experience to me is going to mean so much for Ben. And not only that, Caden was dealing with a pretty significant back injury during the second half of his basketball season last year. It seems like he's good now. The videos that we've seen of him jumping around on the basketball court, he doesn't seem like he's bothered too much by the back injury, but it has been a while since he's played in game action. Whereas Ben not only was playing in game action last year, he was doing it at the highest stage literally possible for college basketball players. So for me, that gives Ben the edge on playing time this year. Doesn't mean Caden won't play at all. I think he's going to have a role as well. I'm not sure how they're going to split up all the minutes. That's going to be a very, very good problem for Mark Few to have to handle this season. But I do think that Ben's going to get more minutes than Caden Perry in year one. I think the fact that Balo and Zakharov both transferred is a pretty clear indication of that. The Zags made it clear after Ben got to campus in December. By February, he was playing over both Balo and Zakharov. They would not have done that if they did not think this is a dude who we want to play for us now. Like, we're ready for this dude to be a part of our team. If they didn't think he was going to be in the mix this year, they probably wouldn't have played him over those guys last year. <laughs> like They may have known that Balo and Zakharov weren't planning to stick around, and I would be, wouldn't be surprised if they had an inkling about that. But clearly the decision to play Greg in the first half of games last season was an indication that they expect him to be a part of things this year. I do think it's tough to play him over Anton Watson just because of the different skill sets that they have and because Watson's skills, I think, fit better with the big men that they already have on the roster. But I do think Greg will cement himself as the guy who comes in for either Chet or Drew. When they need a break, Ben is the guy who plays. And that is a significant role for him to have as a, again, true freshman, technically. It's a complicated situation for him. But I think that that's the role that he ends up having. 
But because Watson's still a part of things, because Caden Perry is going to play it in some capacity, and because I don't think that Drew Timmy and Chet Holmgren are going to sit on the bench all that often. Obviously, they will sit when they are tired and they will sit when they have foul trouble, but they're going to play a lot of minutes. <laughs> Those two guys are on this team to play a ton. So between all of that, even if Ben is the number three big man or three, four, depending on his role compared to Watson, I don't see a role that's more than eight to 10 minutes per game. Frankly, more than 10 minutes per game would probably only happen in situations where either Chet or Drew got in foul trouble or the game was out of hand and he got to play the last four or five minutes. Now, those things will happen. So he will play more than 10 minutes per game a handful of times because Gonzaga will blow the doors off of the Portlands and the San Diegos and the LMUs of the world. So if that continues to happen, you'll see a fair amount of Ben Gregg this year. I think you're going to see him a player who is improved physically. It's really hard to not just get physically stronger between the ages of 18 and 19, like we said, in the best case scenarios. But it's also, I think you're also going to see a guy who's a little bit more, he's just more prepared because he's done it <laughs> because he's, he's played 55 minutes of college basketball before. I can't state that enough, how important I think that was for his development. And to be clear, the, it's not the 55 minutes specifically that helped. It's the practices. It's traveling with the team. I don't think that a lot of people realize how freaking hard it is to get used to traveling with your basketball team. Now, these guys played AAU. They've traveled before. But traveling while being a college student, while taking college-level classes, while trying to have a social life, while being away from your family for the first time. He was away from his family at an age that most of us weren't away from our family yet. There's a lot of hard things for him to deal with last year, but now he's prepared He's ready for that. And he spent a year going up against Drew Timmy in practice. He's more prepared for, he's, he's faced the best big man in college basketball for a year already. He's already done it. I'm not, I don't think he was exceptionally successful at defending him in practices. He probably wasn't, but he's learned a lot of things. A lot of things that dudes his age with his experience level have, haven't had to try to do. And that's such a huge bonus for him. I think Greg is one of the most difficult players to project on this team. We didn't see enough of him to get a really good sense of what kind of player he's going to be. He's a stretch four. I think he's got some physicality to his game. He's got some tenaciousness, some, some, certainly some upside on both sides of the ball. But I want to see a bigger role for him. You know, is he Killian Tilly on both sides of the ball? Is he, you know, a, a poor man's version of him? Is he more, you know, there's, there's a lot of different ways that his career could develop. This year, he's not a starter. He's not a big minute guy. They just have too much talent in the front court. Uh, what a bummer to be a true freshman and realize the only reason you're not playing is because the team that you're on has the consensus national player of the year front runner and a consensus top three pick in the NBA draft. When those are the two guys in front of you, I think you can accept, hey, maybe I'm just, maybe I'm just number three on this team. <laughs> That's a pretty reasonable thing to have to reckon with in the situation that Ben Gregg finds himself in. I'm excited for him. I'm excited to see what he's got in year two. I think that we'll see a player who's much improved in a lot of ways. I think he's still got some growth to do, but I think a, another year going up against Drew Timmy in practice and now getting to try to guard Chet Holmgren in practice is going to make him a really, really good player in his sophomore year. In his third season in the Gonzaga uniform, Ben Gregg is going to be ready to explode. So we'll see glimpses of it this year. And those glimpses, you can, you can bet I will be watching them very, very closely. 
All right, tune back in tomorrow to hear 30 minutes of discussion about presumed starting point guard and veteran team leader Andrew Nemhard right here on the Locked On Zags podcast, which is available wherever you get your podcasts and soon to be available on YouTube. Another reminder, podcast links will also be available on Twitter at Locked On Zags and on my own Twitter account, which if you're not following, you can find it at ScoreZagsScore. Thank you to all of you for listening and go Zags. Betting on the Zags doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked On Bets podcast, hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favored picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow Locked On Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag, wherever you get podcasts.